Welcome to the Strange Catholics Podcast. I'm your host, Phil, joined as always by Terry in Minnesota with me and Bob in Virginia. We are three distinct voices bringing varied perspectives on the church and the world into the conversation. We want you to join in the conversation. You can do so by going to anchor.fm forward slash strange Catholics and leaving a message there. You may also email us at strangecatholicspod at gmail.com. Please remember to rate this podcast on iTunes or wherever you're listening and share with one person. We used to gather around a table at Caribou Coffee. It's a coffee house in Minnesota in the Midwest. But now we gather virtually in hopes that these conversations will be a light for you as they are for us. Now, let us begin this week's conversation. Welcome to the Strange Catholic Show. This week we'll cover Bob's First Cup. We're going to continue a little bit of our discussion that we've had and just delve a little bit more deeply into that life of discernment and what that looks like. Our saint this week is St. Eusebius of Vercelli. And for Bob's First Cup, we'll turn it over to Bob. Thanks a lot, Phil, Terry. Hey, once again, congratulations, Terry, on the birth of your new granddaughter. Thank you, Bob. Wonderful pictures that you sent, uh, or a picture that you sent uh, earlier today. So it was very, very beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. She is a joy and a delight and a blessing. So very happy for my daughter and son-in-law and uh, the beautiful new baby. And for our uh, first grandchild, Nora, who gets to now find out what it's like to be a big sister. So pretty exciting times for their family, praying for them very, very vehemently. Okay, so just quickly for a first cup. This week I'd like to discuss, and I've discussed this before, but just how do we bring everybody back together? You know, there's so much divisiveness in the world, especially in our country, and there has been through the pandemic, through the political uh, season, and it seems like the political season has an end. It just continues. But there's two things I want to point to that show there's hope for the future, besides the fact that God is eternal and God loves all of us. That's that's one that I'll just give out there already, but I have two additional ones. One is the Olympics. And the reason I use the Olympics even though we're in a COVID environment, so there's no fans, and you kind of say to yourself, should we really have this? A lot of people in Japan don't really want it, and that type of thing. But if you get a chance to watch some of it and see the interaction of the athletes from all the different countries, the all the many different faiths, many different backgrounds, it just does give you kind of hope for the future that there is, you know, that we can come together in this world to help solve problems, to promote peace, these types of things. So I think the Olympics is, you know, in that, uh, in that venue does live up to its billing besides some of the competition, which is pretty good. The other thing is uh, my washer's broke and it's been broke for a couple of weeks now we've been going to the local laundromat and the local laundromat here is visited mostly by immigrants, Central American or 
So it was Central American immigrants, whether it's Mexican, El Salvadoran, or wherever they're from, mostly Hispanic immigrants. They don't seem to have washers. Maybe they're on the lower income scale. They're doing service jobs. I'm just guessing some of these things. But we've had some wonderful interactions with these folks, not that we wouldn't have, but we have. And today we were watching the Olympics while our clothes were washing and drying. And my wife sat down with a, a couple of young Hispanic girls and they just struck up a conversation. It just kind of, you know, as much as we talk about violence and I've seen the, some of the violence here in the DC area and so on and, and so on, it just really helps, you know, give you hope and springs that eternal optimism for the future. You know, we're really not that different of a people, right? I mean, we really are, you know, it comes back to we're all made in God's image and we're all human. So, so that's just the, the positive thing that I want to get across this week in the first cup. Your guys' comments. I love that positive nature, Bob. And I mean, I think, I think that's the highlighting that interaction at the laundromat, I think ties together, you know, what, why, why so many countries around the world join together to compete is to show the you know the strengths of their fellow countrymen and women have and how their country is representing you know in specific sports um some different countries are a lot better at different sports than others and it's just genetics because of the people from their country are a lot better because of where they've lived all of their lives whatever it might be so noting that you know we have this as you said this unique dignity that is inherent to every single human being and we can never squander that or pretend like someone is less than someone else everyone has equal dignity and i love that interaction at a laundromat uh i know i've had interactions at laundromats and maybe they haven't been as positive as yours uh mine mine were a little bit outside of the dc area but Still, they were not so positive. I'll, we'll just we'll leave it at that. Um, finding, you know, that uniqueness. You know, each person is unique, but we have our own gifts that we can offer. And knowing that um, your bride and these two young these two ladies struck up a beautiful conversation, and you know, just as anyone would, right? Um, so we, we just have this uniqueness in our country, and that we have many many cultures that come together. And sometimes blending of cultures can be painful and difficult, but we still all hold on to some of those cultural significances that we have, no matter who, where we came from, where our ancestors are from. We still hold on to pieces of that, but we still also look to those cultures of others and see, you know, hey, what's what's the good thing from these from this these their ancestors, from where they're coming from, the culture that they have, having served in the military. There were many different cultures that were present in the military, and we were able to especially partake of great feasts of those that would prepare meals from their, you know, their own cultural hub. And so we were able to enjoy meals from really around most of the world, not all of it, but most of the world and and get to taste and smell some of those, you know, some of those cultural things that they were used to their foods because usually when we gather together around a table there's at least some cordial 
conversations that take place. So I, I love that positivity in that first cup, Bob, that opportunity to see each and every person in their equal dignity as they are all made in the image and likeness of God. And, and just, you know, always that opportunity to see another person, not as something else, but instead just as another fellow human being and love them as they are. Terry? Beautiful words, both of you gentlemen, and, and a great strong way to start off our podcast tonight. I love the idea of looking at people in the likeness and image of God. And sometimes uh, our predispositions can stand in the way of that. And I will admit, I, you know, I am guilty of that. Um, I was raised, well, let's just, my mother was a very judgmental person. Okay. Uh, it's just the, how she was. That's how she, her father was. And maybe that's, you know, the society at the time that she grew up in, that's how it was. Um, so I struggle with a little bit of that, but this past weekend, we attended mass in Robbinsdale, Minnesota at Sacred Heart Church, which I am um, serving at Sacred Heart Church in Sauk Rapids, Minnesota. So it was nice to have that kind of tie to home when we're away from home. And after Mass, wanted to visit with the priest, touch base, say hi. And there was a little girl there who was maybe about seven or eight and was celebrating her birthday. And so got this beautiful bouquet of balloons. Well, when she found out, because we brought our granddaughter with us to church this weekend, we were down there watching our two-year-old granddaughter while mom and dad were in the hospital having baby number two. And when she found out that our granddaughter was a big sister, she shared one of her silver Mylar balloons with our granddaughter. Wow. Never met her. Didn't know her from, you know, the next person on the face of the planet, but that, that love and that childhood innocence, it just took my breath away. I just thought, wow, that is so cool. And kudos to those who have influenced this young child to show her that you know, like the kids, some of the kids say nowadays, sharing is caring. And and obviously her sharing that balloon was her her way of caring. So what I take away from this is is that innocence. See the world through the eyes of a child and that childlike innocence. And not that, you know, we lose that as we grow up and we become predisposed and it would be so great. And, and the Bible even invites us uh, to live like a child of God for those that do not act like a child cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And I may be butchering that Bible phrase, uh, but that's to the best of my knowledge, Bob, to get back to your point, you know, to, to come together, if we can see, each other through the the eyes of a child and that beauty and that inherent nature 
of God's creation in that other human being, how much better we could all be and what a better place we could live in if if that is our mantra that we go through life with. Great comments, and that's all I have for the first cup. Let's move on to the next uh, or the main topic, whichever one of you guys is doing that. Sure. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, that, it was a, a beautiful way to segue in. Uh, part of what I planned on talking about for the main topic, whether or not it works out as I thought it would, would be talking about, you know, we talked about discernment last week. So I wanted to expand that a little bit in as we focused on listening a lot last week, at least that's what I heard from when I heard the podcast. Hopefully you heard something as well. So talking, taking from that first cup that Bob brought up, you know, seeing that dignity, right? And I know I mentioned, and I know that Father Doug mentioned this two weeks ago, that it's, it's really in those relationships that we have with others. And a lot of times those relationships that we have with others are going to really call out what it is that we might be gifted with. So maybe we really know what it is that where God is leading us, but we haven't taken that step yet. Or maybe we really feel like this is where God is leading us. And then we mention it to someone and they either affirm or say, actually, I don't think that would be something that would be good for you. And if we know that this is someone that has a listening heart, that is listening to God, that maybe really that is God speaking to us. You know, taking those sometimes not easy words or sometimes those difficult words because we don't know what that yes to God means can be really scary because we have no idea what that entails. We have no idea where it is then that God is then leading us if we say yes to that. And when we radically surrender to God's will and instead seek his will over our own, especially through the influence, the intercession of others that we interact with regularly, both in person and in heaven with our saints in heaven. They can really help move us to see where it is that God is leading us, because sometimes they can even help nudge us when we get a little bit comfortable, because I think we talked, I know we talked about the discernment loop last week. Uh, I linked to uh, one of the videos that Father Mike Schmitz has made about you know, we can't just stay where we are in this discernment process. Oh, I'm just, uh, I'm not sure, uh, you know, uh, we just got to go sometimes. We can't wait. We can't wait to take that next step. Because if we wait too long, then that moment has passed. And now the way that God's will will work will be different because we didn't act when he was prompting us to act. So I think part of what I wanted to talk about was really being open to how others are bringing that voice of God to us, recognizing that they are are and can be the voice of God in our lives. Yes, we can hear God speak to us in prayer, especially in the Mass. We can hear God speak to us in our personal prayer, in the Scriptures, but again, also through others. And I know we've highlighted this, but just really wanted to emphasize this a little bit more from from some feedback that we received just really helping to see that others can really help us see and understand what it is that God has laid out before us. Because sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees. We get so lost on this path that we're on and where we think it is that God is leading us. And we mention it to some other God-fearing person, whoever that might be, 
you know, maybe they have, they're like, actually, I don't think that's where you should be going. Or maybe we even have a spiritual director and our spiritual director mentions to us. Yeah, actually, I do think this is where God is leading you. And then it's kind of like, what, what do you, what do you mean? You know, so it's, it can be both and right where we can have that difficult, the difficulty with what it is that God is calling us to, or just that unawareness or that the lack of vision to understand what it is that God is preparing us for. But others can point it out. They can see with their own clarity what it is that God has already laid out before us. And so I know that's true in my own vocation story. Um, and I'm sure it's true for both of these gentlemen and for many of those that are listening that others help to confirm or even affirm the decision we were making. Or maybe say, actually, I think this is where God might be calling you. Or this is something that I'm really hearing in what you're saying. Or, you know what? Actually, I do think that that is something that is really blessed by God, anointed by God, and you should just follow that path, no matter how scary it might be, right? So just turning that over to see what you guys think about that, but just that recognizing how God, how others can really help solidify or maybe confirm that call that God has placed within us already. Absolutely, Phil, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, and like you said, uh, hearing that voice of other people uh, is what led you to your vocational call. Amen. And the same, same with me. I, I credit uh, the deacon at our church, um, Deacon Joe Kresge, uh, as he was uh, becoming active in our in ministry uh, at our church. He was serving in another church, switched his ministry to Sacred Heart. Um, got because he was uh, good friends with the with the priest that was serving at Sacred Heart at the time. And uh, came up to me and and said, you know, have you ever thought about becoming a deacon? And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, when I'm old and retired, you know, maybe I'll have the time, you know. And <laughs> said, That's something that I really think that that you know you should uh, you should take a look at. And um, so I thought about it, pondered about it, and it was one of those things where. Um, definitely God was at work, you know, looking back on it, I can tell he just would not let it go in my brain. It constantly kept, you know, gnawing at me and, you know, I kept thinking about it. So I did seek the advice of, of those people who I look up to in their prayer life and in their faith and, and who they are as Catholic people. And the resounding, the resounding answer from each and every one of those individuals is yes, absolutely. We see these gifts in you. And so it was ironic um, because I, you know, I still hadn't settled on it yet. It's like, okay, great. You see these gifts in me, but you know, how am I going to go about doing this? I, I'm not really sure. I don't really feel qualified, you know, all of that. And as I was leaving church after mass, uh, one Saturday evening, um, I'm walking out, I see Deacon Joe greeting people, you know, as we were leaving church. And I said to myself, I wonder if he's going to ask me about the diaconate again. And sure enough, as he, as he saw me, he said, Hey, have you thought about that some more? It's like, okay, 
I get it. Thank you, God. So I pursued it. And, you know, how many, seven, eight years later, here I am. Sometimes we just need that uh, gentle reminder or two by four, right? Uh, to gently nudge us in the direction Amen. where God is Amen. leading us, right? It doesn't, sometimes we can be stubborn or we can, we can just, yeah, That's I'm me. stubborn as well. There. So stubborn we can be stubborn. Irish. We can be, you know, the devil can place fear in our hearts so that we don't think that we can do that thing that God has really called us to. Again, as we've mentioned many times before, God, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. So if he's calling us to something, whatever it might be, he's already equipped us with what we need to fulfill that mission that he's laid out before us. Bob, thoughts? Yeah, just make a couple here and there's less thoughts for me because my time is limited today. Uh, tonight, I would just focus on the time frame. It, it, you never know what that time frame is. And there's lots of twists and turns. And I know that you guys have all went through twists and turns, but I'm going through and have been going through significant twists and turns over the last, you know, five years or so. So you never know when that, where you're going to end up or what the final answer is going to be. The answer five years ago may have been one thing. And the answer now might be something else. I, I'm not leading into something. I'm just saying that that's a possibility, right? So you got to kind of trust, you know, the journey and, and trust the Holy Spirit to guide you in the right direction. But um, you certainly, as Terry had said, you certainly there'll be times when you're like, well, is this really, am I really doing what God's will is, am I do, you know, should I be staying here and doing this or should I be going over there and doing that or, you know, that type of thing. So uh, I certainly can relate to that. Thank you, Bob. Yeah, I mean, that it's a constant discernment, right, where we kind of live a life in a perpetual state of discernment. So even while we were in formation, it did not mean that necessarily we automatically become deacons, right, because it's a constant discernment is this still what god is calling me to is there something else that god is asking of me you know is this is this where god wants me right now so you know it's that con as bob mentioned that constant state of discernment this week we're going to cover saint eusebius of vercelli his feast day is august 2nd he is the patron saint of vercelli the congregation of the daughters of saint eusebius the country of italy berzo demo Boyengo, Otigilio and Piedmont. So Eusebius was born in the year 283 in Sardinia, Italy. He died August 1st in the year 371 in Vercelli. So Eusebius was born to a pious family whose father died a martyr's death when Eusebius was, small, was very young. He was baptized in Rome in Italy by Pope St. Eusebius. His mother, St. Restituta, died also a martyr's death in her old age. And his sister, St. Eusebia, became a nun and mother superior of the monastery in Vercelli that St. Eusebius had founded. Eusebius studied in Rome, and one of his fellow seminarians would become the future Pope St. Liberius. St. Eusebius was ordained, was first brought into the order of lector and then later ordained a priest and chosen as the first bishop of Vercelli in Italy at, on 16 December in the year 340 by Pope St. Julius I. 
St. Eusebius is a noted supporter of St. Athanasius of Alexandria and restorer of the Nicene Creed. The Orthodox doctrine adopted by the First Council of Nicaea in the year 325, which declared the members of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, to all be equal. St. Eusebius was also the first to link the monastic life with that of the clergy, establishing a community of diocesan clergy on the principle that the best way to sanctify his people was to have them see a clergy formed in solid virtue and living in community. He promoted devotion to Mary in local shrines, founded parishes, and ordained and encouraged priests. He promoted Christian identity as a mere as more fundamental than one's earthly identity. Rome will come and go, but the heavenly Jerusalem is forever, and all the baptized are future citizens of that heavenly city. Early in the fourth century, Arius and his followers spread their false teaching that Jesus was not really divine. In the year 325, the bishops gathered in Nicaea and condemned this teaching. They formulated what we now call the Nicene Creed. He was sent by Pope Liberius to persuade the emperor and to call the council to settle the, the Catholic Arian troubles and the heresies. When it was called in Milan, Eusebius was reluctant, sensing that the Arians would block, rather that the Arian block would have its way. Although the Catholics were much more numerous, he really feared that the Arians would be able to overpower the true Orthodox Catholics that were present at the council. He refused to go along with the condemnation of St. Athanasius, and instead he laid the Nicene Creed on the table, and instead, also known as the altar, right, and insisted that all sign it before taking up any other matter. The emperor put pressure on him, but Eusebius insisted on Athanasius's innocence and reminded the emperor that secular force should not be used to influence church decisions. At first, the emperor threatened to kill him, but later sent him into exile in Palestine. There, the Arians dragged him through the streets and shut him up in a little room. Releasing him only after his four-day hunger strike, they resumed their harassment shortly after. His exile continued in Asia Minor and Egypt until the new emperor permitted him to be welcomed back to his see in Vercelli. St. Eusebius attended the Council of Alexandria with Athanasius and approved the leniency shown to bishops who had wavered. He also worked with St. Hilary of Portier against the Arians. The emperor then tried to force Eusebius, St. Dionysius of Milan, and Lucifer of Calari to condemn Athanasius under pain of death. They steadfastly refused to condemn a man who, far from being a heretic, was supporting the truth. Instead of putting them to death, the emperor exiled them. In exile, Scythopolis in Palestine, Eusebius lived with the only Catholic in town. Any comfort he had from visits of other saints was destroyed by the local Arians, stripped him half-naked, and dragged him through the streets to a tiny cell. The Arians finally let him go after he spent four days without food. But a few weeks later, they were back, breaking into his house, stealing his belongings and food, and imprisoning him again. St. Eusebius was exiled to two other places before Constantius's successor, Julian, let him and the other exiled bishops return home in the year 361. The problem was not over, and Eusebius spent his last years working hard to counteract the damage that the Arian heresy had done. 
and continued to do. After working with Athanasius and taking part in councils, he became a Latter-day Saint Paul, traveling all over in order to strengthen the faith and spread the truth. Saint Eusebius, however, and his brother exiled Lucifer did not at once return to Italy, acting either by force of their former legatine facilities or, as is more probable, having received new legatine facilities faculties from Pope Liberius, they remained in the Orient for some time, helping to restore peace in the church. Eusebius went to Alexandria to consult with St. Athanasius after convoking the synod, which in 362 was held there under their joint presidency. Besides declaring the divinity of the Holy Ghost and the Orthodox doctrine concerning the incarnation, the synod agreed to deal mildly with the repentant apostate bishops but to impose severe penalties upon the leaders of several of Arianizing factions. At its close, Eusebius went to Antioch to reconcile the, the Eustanations were adherents of Bishop St. Eustatius, who was deposed and exiled by the Arians in 331. Since Miletus's election in 361 was brought about chiefly by the Arians, Eustatians would not recognize him. Although he solemnly proclaimed his Orthodox faith from the Ambo after his Episcopal consecration, the Alexandrian Synod had desired that Eusebius should reconcile the Eustanations with Bishop Malatius by purging his election of whatever might have been irregular in it. Eusebius, upon arriving at Antioch, found that his brother legate, Lucifer, had consecrated Paulinus, the leader of the Eustatian, Eustatians, the Bishop of Antioch, and thus unwillingly had frustrated the specific design. Frustrated the specific design. Unable to reconcile the factions in Antioch, he visited other churches of the Orient in the interest of the Orthodox faith, and finally passed through Illyricum in, into Italy. Having arrived in Vercelli in 363, he assisted the zealous Saint Hilary of Portier in the suppression of the of Arianism in the Western Church and was one of the chief opponents of Arian Bishop Exentius of Milan. The church honors him as, as a martyr and celebrates his feast. Three letters written during his exile are extant. The first seven books of De Trinitate, long attributed to Athanasius or Bishop Villignus of Thapus, are generally accepted as Eusebius's work though the archbishop's authorship, rather, is still debated. He may have been martyred by the Arians, but reports vary. Many consider him a martyr as he may have died as a result of his sufferings in exile. St. Eusebius was canonized pre-congregation, so it wasn't a formal process as it is today. We celebrate St. Eusebius's feast day on August 2nd. St. Eusebius, pray for us. Pray for us. Pray for us. And now it's time for us to ask you, our listeners, to go to your podcast platforms and rate us. And we ask for five, you know, and we just, we feel it can be, you know, a, think of it as a bringing the world together event, just like the Olympics. And all come together and rate five from all over the yes. world. And it's all sort over. of like the Olympics. It's a unifying type of action. So yeah. please uh, rate like us that. five on your podcast platform. 
and whatever podcast platform that is, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor, wherever you go. Um, the other thing I would like to also bring up is leave us a comment. Please give us a prayer request. We're here to pray with you, pray for you, pray about you. And we really care about you. So please give us your prayer intentions and your prayer requests. You can do those through the podcast platform along with other comments, good or bad. We like them both. Or there might be a better place to do it, which is? StrangeCatholicsPod at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash strangecatholics. And please remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And I will continue to admit that I continue to forget to say that, or maybe it's on purpose. Either way, please go to our YouTube channel and subscribe, and you get to see the videos. This week, you won't see my face. Maybe that's a good thing. Uh, We're all missing out. (laughs) Well, let's go to final prayer. Brothers, let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Gracious and heavenly Father, you who are our light and our joy, we thank you so much for the countless blessings you bestow in our lives. We thank you for this time together with my dear brothers in Christ to come together and evangelize your word to the people of the world so that we can come together as one body in your love. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the countless things you gift us each and every day, the beauty of the sunrise, sunset, the beauty of each and every human being on this planet. Heavenly Father, we come before you with our hearts wide open, burning with love for you, and we offer these intentions for protection of life from conception to natural death. We pray for all the new babies in the world, and especially for my new little granddaughter, Penelope May. May God bless her and protect her and her older sister, Nora Catherine. God, we also pray for all of those who are suffering, whether it be emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually. Let them be healed by you, Jesus the divine physician. And we pray for all of those who are suffering with COVID. We pray that once again, they be healed in mind, body, and spirit. For the leaders of our world, that they recognize the human dignity in each and every person that they serve. And remember that they are called to serve and take that servant heart of leadership and not be something that you would not desire them to be, God. And Heavenly Father, we lift up these prayers and offer them through your glory. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thanks a lot, everyone, for joining us this week. Look forward to seeing you next week. And until then, love you, brothers. Love you, brothers. Love you, brothers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Strange Catholics. We hope that you enjoyed the conversation and it helps you dive into a deeper reflection and union with our Lord Jesus Christ. 
If you'd like to leave some feedback, please go to anchor.fm forward slash strange Catholics to leave a voice message, or you may also send us an email at strangecatholicspod at gmail.com. Links will be in the description. Please share this podcast and this episode with at least one person. This will help get the word out and get more people to join into the conversation. Please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you are listening to us. This really helps the podcast get traction and help even more people discover the peace, love, and mercy that our Lord offers and is longing to offer each and every one of us. Thank you again for listening. Have a glorious day and may God bless you.